This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 101.9 Chai FM. It is Soul to Soul. It is a Friday afternoon here in Johannesburg, which again can't decide whether it's going to be a sunny day or are we going to have the rain that they've promised us. We'll have to wait and see. Anyway, a very, very warm welcome to every one of our radio family. Thank you for taking time on this Erev Shabbos, whether you're in the office, whether you're in the car, whether you're in your kitchen, trying to make some delectable, wonderful things for the coming for the coming Shabbos. People are already breathing a sigh of relief. We've actually made it to the month of December, albeit just the, uh, the first, and uh, definitely, definitely in people's minds, certainly there's already... Uh, uh, an avira, an atmosphere of, right, if, you know, we're not on holiday yet, we're certainly thinking about it, we're certainly planning about it, our, our mindset, you know, it's always, it's never, in Judaism, it's never about where you are even, it's what are your aspirations, where do you want to be, and, and, and at the moment, everyone's want to be is to be somewhere else, to be, uh, wherever they might be going for their, for their break, be it to overseas, be it down to the Cape, be it even staying at home, but just a little bit less responsibility, maybe a few less lift schemes, maybe the ability to go places without having to fight the traffic uh, so extensively. All these are beautiful little uh, fringe benefits that one gets during the during the holiday during the holiday time. And as uh, Hashem, everyone should uh, have these chutz to to uh, have a little bit of an easier month. Even those who can't get away and those who aren't getting off work because someone some 40% of the population has to keep on working and and doing all the things that need to be done even during the time when when the rest of us people are are you know all the retail people all the emergency workers all those who who just don't get a break when others get a break and their job is to look after all those who are on on uh, on holiday and you know we certainly salute them and respect them and, and uh, hope they have this Yat I hope they have uh, all the divine help they need to to ensure that uh, that uh, their time goes goes uh, goes well. This week's Pasha we read about the, the confrontation between Yaakov and Esau, which we know is both a, a spiritual and a and a physical Confrontation and and it begins with the words Vayevoser Yaakov Levadai, that Yaakov remained uh, alone, uh, and and the the Medrash comments on this on this pasuk that uh, similar to the fact that Yaakov Vinu is alone, pasuk says Veniskav Hashem Levadai by Yomahu that on that day Hashem will stand. Will stand alone, and the Medrash makes the the comparison and says that just as Yaakov was alone, so will Hashem, so will Hashem stand stand alone. What what does this mean? Why are we comparing Yaakov Avinu to to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, as great as as uh, as Yaakov was? And in fact, uh, we find later that uh, even Hashem actually calls him Kel. Hashem calls him an expression of of God. But what 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 does it mean? So perhaps to to explain the the Medrash, there's a a, a teaching that's purported to have come from from the uh, from the Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov uh, once taught 
that someone <coughs> that never has people who aren't his best friends or on the contrary might actually be acting towards him as if they are his his uh, his enemies so he has to believe it's not just Balshantov says it's said by other people also that's not coincidence it's not uh, by chance that people are against him right if a person has someone that uh, that uh, gives them a hard time, that gives them uphill, that uh, they don't see eye to eye. This is also part of the part of the Hashkacha. This is also something that has been preordained by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. No, Nothing happens without the Rabbani Shalom's decree. If, if there is such a person like that, then that's been uh, predestined by, by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If a person is aware of this, if a person knows that, yeah, when when uh, there's someone who really gets your goat, that also is from the Rebbeinu Shlom. So then, the enemies all 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 disappear. What 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 are you upset about? It's 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 min So he says, uh, uh, perhaps we can learn this out from uh, a pasuk. There's a, a pasuk in in Tehillim, in in Sadi Beis, which says, "Kihine." We say it every Friday night. Kihine oyevecho Hashem. Behold your enemies, Hashem. Right? When one knows that the people who are against him are from Hashem. When you realize that even those people who are your greatest adversaries, that all comes from, from the Rebani Shalom, then then they disappear, they, they perish because they're no longer your enemies. You understand that, why am I fighting with them? Why am I getting into an altercation with them? Why do I feel this need to, to wreak vengeance and, 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 and you know, make all sorts of complicated schemes to try to, uh, to, try to get payback on them? It's all from my Kaddish Baruch So you, we, accept, we should accept it in the same way as we accept everything that the Rabban Shalom uh, ourselves. This is, in fact, true not only about enemies, but in fact about all problems that might crop up in our in our lives. When one one knows that this comes from the Rebbeinu Shlom itself, so then that itself solves the uh, solves solves the uh, the problem. Svarim bring a marshal to to uh, to explain this. This is a a father once wanted to train his son not to be afraid. Of, of the wild animals in the forest. So what's the best way to actually uh, uh, do that is, is to expose it to it. But the father didn't necessarily live in an area right by the forest. So what the father did was the father dressed up in, uh, in a bear, in a bear skin and uh, went over to his son and made kind of grunting sounds as if he were a bear. I'm not going to try to imitate because I'm not really sure what a bear sound actually actually is. So the, the reaction is going to depend on whether the child recognizes that the thing in the bear skin is actually his, his father, right? So that, it, and, but if the child does in fact recognize that the person behind the bear suit is, is the, uh, is the father, then the father may as well take off the bear suit because there's actually no purpose 
in wearing it anymore. Once the child knows that uh, that the person behind is not really a bear, what's it going to be scared of? It's just his dad. His daddy loves his daddy. He plays around with all the time. What's what's there to be? What's there to be? Uh, to be so scared of? So he says the same thing. So too, when when uh, if one acknowledges that the source of all one's challenges, of all one's hardships, of all one's problems in this world are from Hashem, then there's no real need for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to sort of dress himself up uh, in, in them. The whole, the whole Tzara is only there for us to realize that it comes from Hashem. So the moment we realize that, and the Tzara disappears because there's no reason to, for Hashem to disguise himself behind them behind them anymore. He takes off the disguise and the 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 the, uh, the problem the problem disappears right away. So perhaps that gives us now the insight to uh, explain the medrash. Yaakov Avinu was left by by himself. He was alone. <laughs> Being alone, he was in the middle of the night. There was an unfamiliar place. He knew that Esav was out to get him. He was in danger. He was in mortal. Danger, as I said, by Yira Yaakov. Yaakov was afraid he could have been, he could have been killed. But standing there in the middle of the night, with his stomach in knots and and his, his butterflies having having their own butterflies, and and, and really not knowing what is what, what was going to happen, he remembered v'niskav Hashem that Hashem also stands alone in the world because everything comes from from Hashem. Hashem has no has no equal because he's the one that created everything. When he remembered this, when he remembered that, in fact, when you discover Hashem Levada, that Hashem it stands alone, and he's the one that he and he stands alone because of the fact that he created everything and brings everything into fruition. Everything is his subject. So too, in this situation, he realized that that there was nothing to be afraid of, and and he calm he calmed down. Uh, the Yaakov Avinu calls the place. Where he had the battle with the spiritual force of of uh, of Esav, it says uh, he calls it Peniel. Why? Because, so to speak, I saw Hashem face to face, and my life and my life was saved. So. If, if we kind of connect this to what we've been talking about to our discussions, what Yaakov was really was really saying is, when I was there and I was wrestling and I was fighting with this with this malach, so I didn't actually see that there was a person at all fighting with me, and I also didn't see an angel fighting with me. I I, I realized what the source of it all. I realized where it all came from. I only saw Hashem because everything comes from Hashem. When I had this realization, I was saved. I saw on the altercation with the, with the Malach that this wasn't a Malach doing his own thing. This all came from our Kodesh Prophet. So it was as if the Rabbani Shalom himself was fighting me and that, that automatically calmed me down. And uh, and Vatinut Salnafshi, my life was saved. My life was saved be, uh, be because of that. And that's 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 such an important, such an important uh, uh, a lesson that uh, that uh, that we need to we need to uh, think about that. Everything, in fact, everything in our own in our own lives uh, uh, comes comes from the 
comes from the Yibanish, from Fetvan Yibanish land. And uh, that's, that's really is, is such a big, a big aside in this, in this week's, uh, in this week's Pasha, where, where, where Yaakov Avinu has so many troubles and then and, and first with first with a with a seven and later on with 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 dina and uh it's 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 so difficult and one can only get through those things when when uh when one realizes that that it all comes my goddess and, and that we we are we are completely and totally dependent on on hashem right it's a uh, i think thing about especially uh uh this coming week we're going to hear in in Chutzlarts here in Outlands, we're going to begin saying the same Tal Umata Levracha, please God, on, on Monday night at uh, at Meyer's time. We'll start saying the same Tal, same Tal Umata, and that again, we we we, we, we have to, uh, it's it's actually an unusual thing that we make a special filler in this one, is that we change the the text of the the middle sections of the of the uh, of the uh, requests. Of, of Hashem to stick in this seasonal request for for rain, and again, it's a realization that 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 uh, it all comes from from the Bunshel, and we have to uh, we have to daven for it. We have to ask Hashem for for uh, for for that that rain, so that we can we can we can actually we can actually uh, uh, in, enjoy and enjoy, enjoy it uh, very very much. And and uh, yeah, the more we realize that, then the actually the less the less uh, the less troubles. We uh, we uh, we have, and it's it's always to to uh, for us to to uh, uh, realize that, and and that Hakadosh Baruch Hu always helps the person that in fact uh, is the victim, the person that realizes that he he's guaranteed that uh, that Hakadosh uh, Baruch Hu uh, always searches and and cares for the person that's being chased that's being that's that's being that's being the victim because that person because of his difficult situation will always cry out will always with no one else to to help him is always going to cry out to uh to uh to hashem yeah, the, 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 the Chazal, the expression uses, Hashem Yuvakesh is Hanyirdaf. Hashem always looks for a person that's being, that's being traced, uh, chased, which other people are, are kind of trying to, uh, to, uh, to harm. And Hashem takes care of these, of these people. Why? Because they're, they're broken heart and they're in the realization that they have no one else to turn to by, by Hashem. So it kind of stirs Hashem's, Hashem's, uh, Compassion. They may not necessarily even be very good people, very righteous people. Nevertheless, Hashem cares about them. As in fact, the Medrash, the Medrash says, Hashem always cares for the one that's the that's the victim. Even says says Medrash, even if a tzaddik is running after a a rasha, which may be very justified in 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 trying to stop him from what he's doing. But if the Russia is realizes that he's being chased and he's he's desperate and he turns to Hashem for help and realizes that Hashem is the only one who's going to help him, then Hashem, in fact, will will uh, will will help him. When when Esau was coming to meet Yaakov, the Torah says that uh, when he when Yaakov arranged his family, so he first uh, set up the maid servants and their children, and then behind them Leah and her children. And Rachel and Yosef were placed were placed uh, were placed lost. 
Rashi writes, why do you put uh, Yaak, uh, uh, Yosef and Rocha last? Because Acharein, Acharein Chaviv, the ones that are placed in the back were the ones that Yaakovinu loved, loved the, uh, the most. So what Rashi seems to be saying is, is actually, uh, is actually like, like this. Yaakov, in fact, wanted more than anything else to protect those that he loved, that he loved the most. Since he loved Leah and her family more than he loved the, the maidservants, so he put Leah and her family further back. So they would be further away from Esav. More than all, Hashem loved Yosef and Rachel, so he placed them last to protect them. Now, if that was correct, it's very difficult to understand because the halacha is that uh, in a situation of pikuach nefesh, which this certainly was a situation where lives are, <clears throat> are, in, are in danger, so then... Uh, why does your own personal interests take any 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 are not a factor even in determining what you what you have to uh, what you have to that that's in fact Allah in in uh, in your day Yaakovinus shouldn't love should love for for particularly for Yosef and and Rachel shouldn't determine who should be placed in in a greater danger and who should be more protected? What right did he have to say? Well, I want to put Yosef and Rachel so that they'll be protected, and and then exposing those who are in front of them, particularly the Bnei Shvachas, to the most to the most uh, danger. Isn't that kind of like picking them? Isn't that what Yosef later on got in trouble for 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 picking on the Bnei Shvachas? So Tivri uh, Cheskel answers. No, the truth is. Everyone was equally protected based on this concept that Hashem always looks after the one who is, who is exposed, the one who is the victim. Hashem cares for those who suffer tremendous degradation. Right? Leah, who was in the middle behind the slaves in front of, in front of, uh, she felt that she was being pursued. She felt that she was really a victim. In, in, at the hands of uh, at the hands of uh, of Yaakov. In fact, she called her child Kishamas Hashem Finally, Hashem has found out that I am that I am hated. She felt like literally a second class citizen, like someone who was being chased. The maidservants certainly felt that they were you know so they were they were, they had uh, they were victims and they were not being protected by Yaakov. You know. Therefore, because they were victims, then even though they were in front of the of the of the cuvat, the maidservants Leah and her children, therefore had a special protection from Akharish Baruch special Siyatid Shmaya, because of this concept that Akharish Baruch loves the the uh, the Nirdav Hashem cares for them, and and that's why in fact that uh, so it wasn't as if Yaakov was actually protecting Rachel and Yosef more than others. Rather, he placed them lost because they needed more protection. In this matter, in fact, due, for different factors, uh, they were actually equally, equally uh, 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 protected. Let's take a quick break now, and then we're going to come back and do some more. Hilchas Shabbos, this is Soul to Soul on 11.9 Chaya FM, the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 
101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul. We are back on your radio here on Chai FM. Well, we hope you're enjoying the show and hope you're enjoying this beautiful Erev Shabbos. Just to give you the uh, salient and important details are relevant to this Shabbos. This is Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Vayishlach, the eighth Pasha of the of the of the Torah. Uh, the important times you need to know, the latest time for benching lick for lighting Shabbos candles tonight will be at 28 minutes past 6, 628 is the deadline for having your Shabbos candles lit. You, of course, may light earlier if the community you belong to accepts Shabbos earlier. Many communities are still adapting the standard summer acceptance time for Shabbos of quarter past six. Then, of course, you are bound by your particular community and and must light candles by by that time. Sunset, therefore, is at 6.46 uh, tonight, 6.46, which uh, means that tomorrow night uh, Shabbos Kodesh will end at 22 minutes Past seven, seven twenty-two to six twenty-eight is the latest time tonight. Seven twenty-two is the termination of of Shabbos. Please be aware that we still but under the gun on Shabbat morning, in terms of the deadline for reading the Krishna. It's already getting a little bit later tomorrow. The deadline in the morning is eight thirty-two. So if the shul where you davening will not be reciting Shema by that time, and you need to make a plan that before one goes to shul earlier in the morning, one says the entire Kriya Shema, so that one can fulfill that mitzvah during the morning time when you're getting up, which uh, our rabbis teach us is in fact the deadline of of the end of the third hour of the uh, of the day when uh, when from that time on. We've lost out on the special mitzvah of saying Krishna in the right in the right time. Returning to our discussion about uh, activity being done in violation of Shabbos law and and whether in fact one is then allowed to benefit, use, utilize, or be able to uh, take advantage of whatever was done by a Jew on on Shabbos. So. We're now at the halacha that talks about what happens if, God forbid, someone went and did a an activity. And, you know, there are many things in Shabbos that it's not clear, in fact, whether they are or aren't forbidden. Many things that are, are wrapped up in, in a huge dispute amongst Rishayim, amongst the earlier commentaries, or the, or the later commentaries, as to how we actually define and how we learn it. Is it, in fact, a forbidden activity on on uh, on uh, on Shabbos? So, if one would do such an activity on Shabbos, which is, is wrapped up in such a dispute, what happens? Can I, in fact, then benefit from that activity on uh, on Shabbos on Shabbos at uh, at all. So, uh, in a situation where there is such a such a uh, such an uh, argument, so uh, the the prohibition, in fact, of not being able to have benefit from anything that was done on Shabbos, in fact, only applies when it's it's patently clear. That what was actually done was in fact a violation of 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 Shabbos. 
But if something was done that, as I say, is, is not clear at all, whether maybe according to many authorities, let's say, it wasn't even a, a forbidden a forbidden activity. Some people say it's 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 actually uh, 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 forbidden, even if on a practical level, because you know when there are arguments, we need to actually find some way of practically conducting conducting ourselves, right? Uh, so, so even if on on the practical level, the the custom is that we 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 paskin and we and we teach people that in fact we need to conduct ourselves according to the stricter opinion that in fact it is something which is actually forbidden on to do on Shabbos. Nevertheless, certainly in a bediavad situation, since it is a a something that is a uh, wrapped up in an argument even though the way we conduct ourselves is is to make uh, is to make it uh, 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 forbidden so then the the halacha is that we can we can be lenient halacha is that in a situation where someone did such an act on uh, on uh, on Shabbos then we're not going to we're not going to forbid that uh, that uh, that activity to be benefited from on on Shabbos. The reason being because the whole fundamental reason behind the prohibition to have benefit from work that was done on Shabbos is only because it's only a, a rabbinic prohibition. The prohibition to to have a to to not have a benefit is in itself a a, a something that comes midrabanan from from the uh, from from the rabbis, and therefore, when there's a, an argument in its very essence whether our rabbi or between our rabbis whether in fact this act is actually forbidden or or not, so the rabbis themselves who are the who are the uh, uh, the inventors, so to speak, of this halacha themselves are unsure whether the activity itself is is forbidden or not. So then, the halacha is like the the more lenient opinion that uh, that you can do the activity, and if you do it, it's it's okay. Because uh, when we have a any kind of a doubt regarding a rabbinic effect, and here the whole issue is only rabbinic, we certainly have the right to be uh, to be lenient in that case and that's brought down by the by the Mishnabura in, in Shin Chest, I think quoting the the pre the pre Megad. Let's give you an example. Let's say one took some raw meat and went on Shabbos and and cooked it. Right now, there's no there's no question that taking something raw, taking raw meat and and cooking it and making it edible is undoubtedly something forbidden. Therefore, since we know that a forbidden activity was done, in fact, even a Torah activity, so it would be forbidden to eat that meat on on uh, on Shabbos at all. But let's say I took something that had already been cooked before before Shabbos, and it was actually. Uh, uh, edible, not very sort of readily edible, but in a situation where you had nothing else that was edible enough to eat in that kind of a, that kind of situation. And then I take it on Shabbos and I put it on the fire until it gets properly, 
properly cooked, gets medium rare or well done, whatever it is, however it is that you like, that you like your meat, your meat done. So in that situation, you would be allowed to eat it on Shabbos because even though we, I mentioned before, even though we actually, uh, uh, brought down La Lacha, that we hold like those who had, that, 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 like those who hold that something that was done as on a, on a Torah level, a prohibition that was done on a Torah level. So the prohibition to benefit from it is also a, a, a Torah, a Torah prohibition. Nevertheless, since there are some who hold, there are other authorities who hold that since at the time when Shabbos came in, the food was already edible, albeit not great. Not not it wasn't it wouldn't be a first choice, but you certainly could eat it. Yeah, you know, if there was a dangerous and desperate situation, so therefore it no longer uh, it loses the prohibition of cooking of 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 cooking because it actually was was uh, edible when. Uh, when Shabbos came in, even though it wasn't fully, fully in enjoyable. We're going to take one more quick break, pay another salary or two, and we'll come back with a few closing comments. In a moment, this is Salt to Soul on 101.9 Chai FM. Don't run away. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 101.9 Chai FM. We are back for the last few minutes on uh, on 101.9 Chai FM on this beautiful Friday afternoon. Thank you so much for being being part of it. It's it's really great to be in in your company, and I hope that uh, you get something from our our talk. And um, we were talking about things that were done on Shabbos in prohibition, but the prohibition wasn't necessarily a clear prohibition. It was something on which about which the poskim uh, uh, argue, which occasionally happens in in uh, in halacha. So we said that the moment that uh, that uh, you know it is possible to say that there actually was no real malach, like in this example we gave, where the food was was sort of very very rarely cooked before Shabbos, so that and then, and then someone went and finished the process on Shabbos. So since it would be possible to argue that the food was at least edible before before uh, 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 Shabbos. In, in, a, in a desperate situation, so there would no longer be a certainly a, a, a prohibition of of uh, of cooking, and uh, and therefore, if someone went and uh, cooked it on on Shabbos or finished what the cooking process on Shabbos, one would be allowed to eat it on Shabbos because of the fact that it may in fact not have been a cooking process at uh, at uh, at all. Or let's say you had a pot of soup that had been cooked properly before Shabbos and then been allowed to cool down again, let's say, to uh, to room temperature. And now on Shabbos, one takes this cold, this cold soup and puts it, let's say, on on the on the platter, on the on the hot tray on Shabbos until the point where it gets where it gets warm. So, even though, according to most of the authorities, including the, uh, the Shulchan Aruch in, in Shin Yuches himself, so he's done something that's a, a, a Torah prohibition, 
because by liquids, as soon as it gets down to room temperature, the previous cooking process is totally terminated and finished. And when I now put it back on the on the on the stove, I'm starting an entirely new new uh, uh, process. Nevertheless, you would be allowed to eat that soup on Shabbos. Why? Because there are poiskim, namely the uh, the Rambam. Who brings down that says that such a thing is is forbidden? He says that there is no such concept of 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 uh, cold liquids losing their previous their previous uh, cooking cooking status. Uh, or let's say one took some uh, some tea essence and put it let's say in a uh, in a in a cup and then poured boiling water straight. From a clearition, let's say straight from the uh, from the urn onto that uh, those those uh, that tea bag, which is mamash from a cle- clearition. So again, even though it's absolutely forbidden, uh, we we would we, that's not the way we would bake tea on Shabbos. You'd never pour uh, uh, water directly from an urn onto onto a tea bag on uh, on on Shabbos, and that is is pretty pretty universal. Right, you could, because uh, there's no question that uh, a, a clearition uh, 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 cooks, but nevertheless, certainly in a bedievet situation, you'd be allowed to drink that cup of tea. Because again, there are some authorities that say this is not considered a a a bishul, a a cooking, because they hold that only if I put the the the, the tea bag into not where I pour from the clear, but only if I put the tea bag into a clearishan would one violate the 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 the, uh, the prohibition. But pouring from one to the other doesn't doesn't uh, violate. Okay, that's about as much time as we have uh, today. It's really the witching hour. I just want to thank each and every one of you for being part of our show, and I just wish you all a fantastic. And beautiful Shabbos, a Shabbos Shel Menucha, Shabbos Shel Ava, a Shabbos Shel Devekus of connection to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and a Shabbos that will invigorate you and prepare you for the challenges and the opportunities of the week ahead. Thank you for listening, and Shabbat Shalom.